Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again. Open your Bible to 107. Psalm 107. I guess I should say Psalm 107. Open your Bible to 3. I'm sorry, I I made the mistake of thinking the same spirit lives in me, lives in you, and you'd know what I was talking about. (laughs) That's ugly, I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) Sorry, pontiff. I need y'all to focus. Last week, uh, Justin Eskew gave the offertory. I don't know if you remember it. Most of you, or some of you, probably not most of you, some of you probably don't remember what I preached about last week. But he discussed prior to the service, the offertory, and he talked about how he has changed his whole attitude, his life, the way he does life, by waking up in the morning and completely emptying his think tank, T-H-A-N-K. And he said, before I get out of bed, he said, I... I make a point to empty out everything I'm thankful for before God. Before, because I'll tell you, we're in relationship. He and I know each other pretty well. I'll tell you, he he struggled with some negativity. But through this process over the last few months, as he became thankful and emptied his thank tank out before the Lord, he found himself to be a much more pleasant, a much more positive, a much more confident and faithful person. This makes sense, right? Because the more that we say how thankful we are, the more thankful we will be. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God, but it also comes by hearing what comes out of our own mouth too. Whatever you hear, if you hear it long enough, you're going to get faith in it. If I say, I am insert whatever here and it's negative and contrary to the word of God you say that enough times it's a matter of time before you're going to start believing that that's who you are but if I stand up every morning I say God I thank you that I am the loved son of the most high king by the work of Christ Jesus and nothing can come against me because of who I am in you guess what my attitude that day is going to be completely different because because I made a proclamation from the Word of God. Now, it has to be from the Word of God, or it's, it's just a proclamation, so the necessity of the Word of God is necessary. But it says that power of life and death is where? In the tongue. Listen, you know what that means? That means the power of what kind of life you're going to live, whether it's a life that spews death or a life that spews life, both to you, in you, and through you, to other people, is determined by what you allow to come out of your mouth. I've seen people, man, they have every reason in the world to be thankful, but can't come up with one reason why they should be thankful for what they have. But I've also seen people that are don't have anything of any physical significance talk about nothing but how blessed they are, and they're happier than the person that has more than anybody I've ever met. Because they've come to this understanding that we all have a think tank at us. And it's our responsibility to fill it 
and to pour it out. And so that's what I want to talk about today. That we feel, this is the thesis statement, so if you want to write this down. We fill our think tank with worship. We pour out our think tank in praise. Now listen, we tell us, or we use interchangeably these two words. Hey guys, join us praise and worship today. I'm going to do praise and worship. But there's a difference between the two. Worship is the joyful declaration of who God is. I worship God because He is. Praise is the joyous declaration of what God has accomplished for us. And so I worship God because He is who He is, and that fills me up. And then I worship God in praise for what He's done for me through Christ Jesus in praise which empties and pours me back out. This is the, both of these things are absolutely necessary. We have to be able, capable, and knowing how to be filled up and how to pour out. Amen? Amen. The thesis is pretty simple, right? Matter of fact, this is probably going to be the, le the least theologically deep sermon I've preached to you all year. If you're a heavy theologian, man, and you've into Bible college and all that, you're going to be like, oh, well, that was too basic. Well, let me tell you, Sun Tzu and the Art of War, if you've never read the book, I wouldn't recommend it because it's boring. <laughs> but he said this. He said, advanced techniques are the basics mastered. I'm going to say that again. Advanced techniques are the basics mastered. When I was doing combative training at the academy, people would say, hey, teach me this cool thing. Well, you haven't learned how to punch yet. So this cool thing doesn't matter. But if you learn how to punch really well, you're not even going to need to know how to use this cool thing. But this is how we respond and behave in our spiritual life. I want to get to step four before I take step one. Step one is knowing that God deserves our worship, and we should be pouring that worship out in praise back to Him. And so that's what we're talking about today, because there is a difference. I worship God because who He is. Revelation 4.11 says this, Worthy are you, O Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of you, your will, they existed and were created. So worship him because he's the creator God. However, in 2 Samuel 22.34, we see the necessity of praise. The Lord is my rock. What has he done for me? He has been my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation. That means the strength of my salvation, which means he's capable of holding me and not letting me go. He is my stronghold, my refuge, my savior from violent people. You save me. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise. Everybody say worthy of praise. And have been saved from my enemies. So this is who he is. And should be worshipped for it. These are all the incredible things he's accomplished. And should be praised for it. Amen. Now who should do such a thing? All of us. Psalm 156 says. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You draw a breath this morning. Everybody look at me. 
you're writing down whatever stop what you're doing look at me did you draw breath this morning are you currently drawing breath this morning is there blood flowing through your veins then the creator god gave that to you created you you should have praise in your mouth this morning you shouldn't have come here to praise you should have been prepared by having praise before you came here and then join in fellowship in praise and worship my praise starts in the morning you know why i get here at 5 a.m because i've got an hour of praise and worship before y'all even show up i would never go into the presence of an earthly king if i wasn't attired appropriately And we come just wally-gaggling. I don't know if that's a word. We come wally-gaggling into the presence of God on Sunday, cup of coffee in one hand, and thinking about what we're doing at work and the problems we're having. And we go all the way through praise and worship, thinking about all these things that don't matter because we serve a God that's capable of taking care of all of them anyway. Amen? I'm trying to tell you all something today, and it's not a deep something. Except our God is big. How big is he? He's really big. <laughs> really, really, really big. Amen? Amen? And I want to talk to you about that. These two things specifically from Psalm 107. I'm going to start in verse 1 and 2. I'm, there's 43 verses in this text. And as you know, I talk too much, so we're never going to get through that. I'm going to try to get through 21. But I'm going to start with this very where it starts and just so you know this verbiage as is the case in a lot of psalms is repeated over and over and over again oh give thanks to the lord for he is good for his loving kindness is everlasting let the redeemed of the lord say so god by his very nature should cause us wonderment should cause us to stand open-mouthed, speechless at how incredible He is. The problem is most of us don't realize that because we don't take the time to meditate on who He is. I mean, let your imagination go wild with how big God is because that's the only place you can capture Him is in your imagination because your finite mind can't do it. And so what I have to do is I have to take that which is in the Word of God, meditate on it, which means allow myself to fully be engulfed in what the Word says and let the Spirit work my imagination to even begin to grab a hold of how great, how awesome He is. Let your imagination flow freely, but make sure your imagination stays within the bonds of Scripture. Everybody all right? Because you, your imagination can go crazy. Don't let it go crazy. Still keep it bound, but release it to the Lord. And you'll be amazed what he reveals to you about himself. But the Bible says here in Deuteronomy 20, 32, 3 through 4, it says this. All these things for who God is. I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe, which means I attribute greatness to our God. The church should be doing this all the time. Not in the hour of service, literally all the time. Why? The reason for that is seen in verse 4. It says, the rock. His work is perfect, for his way is just. He is a God of faithfulness. Without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Let me read these off again. Rock, 
means he's unshakable, perfect, without defect, just, fair and unbiased, faithful, never compromising, righteous, morally and ethically pure. God should be adored, worshipped, because these things are inherently true of his nature. Amen? But there's three things that the Bible specifically says within this text, verse 1 and 2, that he is. And so I want to concentrate primarily on those. And in all those, I think you can see all these others. First, it says, he is good. Ah. And all good gifts come from him. Psalm 38, 4 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Did you see it? Did it just say the Lord is good? In this particular psalm, Psalm 34, it says, Oh, taste. Which you know what that means? That means you've got to take action towards realizing the goodness of God. This isn't something that you could put yourself in neutral for. You have to pursue. Paul called it striving for the prize, striving for the goal. You should be pushing into, you should be searching after the God that built everything, spoke it into existence by his very word, empowered it, moved it forward by his spirit, and gave us access to it through Christ Jesus. Taste. Mm. And I think you'll find it sweet that God is good. But it continues, how blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. He is good all the time, even if you can't see it. I'm say that again, because here's where our worship turns into complaining, because we don't see God's goodness. Something bad happens to us, and we think, well, God may be not good all the time. That's not true. According to James 1.17, for every, how many? Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Which means that what he gave good today, he'll give good tomorrow because he doesn't change. But I don't, I don't see how that can be possible. If, do you not know what I got going on in my life? Yes, but you know what I also know? That God says he'll hold you in his righteous right hand. That nothing can separate you. That that which was intended for evil, he will make for good for those who love him or called according to his purpose. You don't have to understand the will of God to submit yourself to worship. Matter of fact, you're less likely to understand the will of God than you are to understand it because, you're, again, your finite mind can't grasp it. But it doesn't mean he doesn't deserve it. Trust in the goodness of God. Trust. Did you just go? In my situation, in what I'm dealing with, with my family, with my work, with my neighbor, I'm going to trust that God is good. And he's going to keep me and protect me and watch after me. I worship him because he is good. I worship him because, according to this same text, he is loving kindness. Notice I didn't say he demonstrates loving kindness. 
I didn't say he demonstrates goodness. I said he is. Loving kindness for God is a noun. That's who he is. Not what he does. Now, he does as a product of his is, but he is loving kindness. What is loving kindness? It is the unrequired grace, mercy, and by extension, I'm sorry, mercy, compassion, love, and by extension, the grace of God over your life. Whatever God has given you that you don't deserve is a loving kindness to us. And I don't know about you guys, man, but I look across the horizon of my life, the landscape of my life, and I could see even before I knew him, his grace, his mercy, his loving kindness extended to me. People think, man, only the saved have grace. Did you know everybody that's connected to you because you have grace has a grace over them? Because they are, part- how many people do you know that are partakers of the blessing that God gives you? And yet we don't use that blessing God gives us to tell them about the God that gave it to us. Oh, that's good right there. That's good preaching, Pastor Jim. I know, man. Get my, my forehead dab out here. But it's important that we know who God is. Love and kindness in the scripture is the word, and I'm going to mess it up, is chikotic, which means to bend or bow, to incline oneself. That means it's God's inclination to bend himself to better you. You guys have heard me say Max Lucado's definition of grace is a God who stoops. This is that literally. A God who took himself out of heaven, placed himself on earth in the filthiness of all that we see, all that we experience, surrounded by sin, lived a perfect life, a loving ministry, died a perfect death so we wouldn't have to, and was resurrected again so that we could have the hope of eternal life. This is God who didn't have to literally inclining himself to lift us up. That's who he is. You think he deserves worship for that? Can we worship him for that? I can. Every single day. Because the alternative is the judgment that I deserve. The alternative is an eternal separation from God in a hell that never stops. In torment that never stops. But God sent his son. Even when I was a sinner, according to the word of God, to prove his love for me. And you. So he deserves worship. Am I talking over anybody's head today? Finally, it says this. All that he is. Everything that he is. Listen. He is eternally. He wasn't the loving, kind God to your grandmama or your grandmama's grandmama or your great-great-grandkids. He's also a God of loving kindness and goodness to you. Oh, I'm not good enough. Isn't that the point? The point is that you're not good enough. The point is that in spite of your not being good enough, He, through Christ Jesus, made you good enough. You know how I know all this stuff? 
God didn't come to me in an apparition. I didn't have a Christophany. I'm not Paul where Jesus showed up in my bedroom or on the road and said, this is who I am. I learned all this stuff by studying my Bible. You hear me say all the time, there, there's hardly a service goes by that I don't say, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Nobody's hiding this from you. If you don't have one, I will buy you one out of my own pocket and make sure you have it. Because how can you know who you're worshiping if you don't know him who deserves to be worshiped? Everything that I know of God, the fact that God is peace, I know because the Bible told me. Now, I was confirmed by that in teaching and preaching. It was confirmed by that in, my, in the spirit that God placed in me. But that came from God's revelation of himself through the word of God. You know what else the Bible says he is? That he's a banner over us. You know what that means? That means he waves over us like a banner. But not just a regular banner, like a banner back in the old days of war. He's literally hovering, waving, flagging over our life, telling us which direction to go, how the battle is ebbing and flowing so that we might be standing in a position of blessing, not cursing, of life, not death. This is the God that we serve. You know how I learned that? I learned that because I read my word. And I encourage you to read your word. I think that the most negligent thing you can do in all of your Christian life is trust me. I can say some crazy stuff. Ask my wife. I've said some crazy stuff. I don't know how some of y'all been here as long as you've been. I look at my original teaching. I'm never teaching those again. I'm all, what do, what do, I, I don't even know what I meant by that. But the more I know, the more I worship. That's our foundation. How can you worship if you don't know him? So, here we are. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So are you going to say so? God saved us. Not because of us, but because of who he is. And then so here in the rest of the text, or the rest of the text I'm going to talk to you about, is the second point I'll make. We empty our thank tank, T-H-A-N-K, in praise. We can't leave our thank tank full. God revealed to you who he was for you, for himself, and for those around you. Trust me, anything that God did in you, he did in you, so he might ultimately do through you. You have to pour your thank tank out. Not just to God, but to people. You guys ever been around stagnant water? It stinks. The water that just just takes in, never pours out. It's thick. It's gross. It smells bad. It's death. That's why the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea. Because it receives water, never pours any out. I've been to the Dead Sea. It smells like cheese and feet. People want to get in there, I'm going to float around in it. You go ahead. My point is, it's dead because it doesn't flow out. It doesn't empty itself. 
that we have to empty ourselves. Because you know what's going to happen when we empty ourselves? God's going to reveal a little bit more of himself to us and fill us back up. We're going to search him a little bit stronger because we realize who he is, and God's going to fill us back up. But we have to be willing to empty ourselves in praise. Charles Spurgeon said this. I don't read a lot of quotes to you guys, but I loved this one. He said, His goodness and loving kindness, who he is, should incite praise in us. Let us never be slow to return to the Lord our praise. To thank him is the least we can do. Let us not neglect it. It's the reason we praise. Because as I realize, man, this is God, and this is God, and this is God. My belly just gets full. My chest gets broad. My shoulders throw back. My spirit just... Y'all ever seen me over here praying before service? Sometimes I just get a little rowdy over here by myself. I get rowdy over here by myself so I don't bump into my wife while she's trying to worship. But that's because I realize who God is and that for some reason He determined to pour His love out on me. Which it blows my mind. So we should praise Him for it. In 107, there's several things that we should be praising God for. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to cover three of them. First, we should praise Him for satisfying the thirst and hunger of our soul. Verse 4 through 7, it says, They wandered in the wilderness, a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. So they were just hanging out in the desert. They were miserable. Y'all ever been hanging out in a desert miserable? Yeah, you have. Now, you may not have physically been in a desert, but all of us have been in a dry place where our life, no matter what happened, didn't seem like we could get any relief. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty, and their soul fainted within them. And then you're going to see this in every single passage, group of passages I read to you. Then they cried out to the Lord because of who He is. And He delivered them out of their stresses, distresses. He led them also to a straight way to an inhabited city. So we praise Him for satisfying our thirsty and hungry soul. Essentially what that's saying is let me tell you something about the God you serve. He's a God of provision. You think you're out there by yourself? You think you're thirsty? You're hungry? Nobody cares about you? Even if that's the case in the fleshly, it's not the case in the spiritual. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to meet a need you couldn't meet for yourself. He is a God of provision. Ephesians 3.20 says this, and I love this, and I think we read it wrongly. It says, Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all we ask or think. I'm going to emphasize beyond all we ask or think. Why do you think it says that word specifically? Because our minds are finite and we can't comprehend all that we need or, or we don't think right. And so God is a God of provision beyond what you're capable of imagining. But we'd rather complain in our desert. We'd rather sit in our thirst and our hunger. And tell the world how miserable our life is. Instead of telling the world how miserable our life is, how about we tell them how awesome our God is 
and how he sent Christ Jesus to us because they're in the same situation you're in. And maybe if they saw Jesus in us, they'd want Jesus in them. So we pour out in praise. Our tank is too full, some of us. We have way more information than we have participation in the gospel. But he continues. Praise him for shattering those things that... We should praise him for shattering things that bind. 10 through 14 reads like this. There were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadows of death, prisoners in misery and chain, because they had rebelled against the word of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Does this sound like chapter 1 of Romans to y'all? That God released them because of their sin, that, he's, that we're completely depraved, that we are, we are bound by something. Many of us, before, well, all of us, before we come to Jesus, we're bound to death. But because of Christ Jesus, we've been made alive in Christ Jesus. But some of us, we still haven't acknowledged the fact that even though we're saved, there are still things that are binding us. God saved your soul. Sometimes our flesh is still jacked up. I'm not going to ask y'all how many of y'all's flesh is jacked up from time to time because I'd say all y'all, some kind of way. You just just as much going to heaven as I believe I am. But you're still bound. Praise him. Because the Bible says they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them. Broke their bands apart. In our praise, God saves us, provides for us, and breaks those things over us that shouldn't be over. Man, that's good. And then finally, we should praise Him for saving us from suffering and for, for our healing. In verse 17 through 21, fools, because of their rebellious way and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Do you know there was no death in the world until sin came into the world? There was no sickness in the world or disease in the world sick till sin came into the world it says fools because of their rebellious way and because of their iniquities were afflicted their soul abhorred all things of all kinds of food and they drew near to the gates of death then they cried out to the lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses and he sent his word his word and healed them who is the word the word is Christ Jesus. The Bible is very explicit in 1 Peter to say, by his stripes you were healed. Let me tell you, y'all, I've never had a manifestation of healing. Well, let me tell you something. If it weren't for Christ Jesus and the power that he has, you'd probably be racked in something needed healing. Matter of fact, you'd be dead. So we should praise him for that. Y'all, man, I'm struggling with his shoulder. But you're not dead anymore. Through Christ Jesus. I'm struggling with this issue inside my body. But you're not dead anymore. You still have a hope. Because of Christ Jesus. Because God is who he is. He does what he does. Because he is who he is. He should be worshipped. Because he does what he does. We should praise him. Amen. Amen. He is a God who heals. Surely. Isaiah 53 4. 
I know Pastor Leonard loves this one. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you, we struggle. Verse 43, I'm going to skip all the way to the end. Who is wise? Let him give heed to these things and consider the loving kindness of the Lord. Who amongst us is wise? Maybe we weren't as wise as we should be when we walked in here. But the declaration of the word has been poured out over you. You should be a little more wise now. So he who is wise, let him give heed to these things. For God is a God of goodness, loving kindness, and is eternally everything that he is.